Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's time for Next Gen Friday. We are so excited about the future of our fellowship that we highlight the 40 and under pastors of CFM. We hope you are inspired by the deep bench of pastors and leaders coming up around the world. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Uh, Yeah, the food is tremendous. And uh, maybe you see the result, I don't know. Hallelujah. (laughs) I'm working on that. Need to work on that. Amen. Uh, I first of all want to thank, there's a number of people I can thank in here. Uh, Just number one, I'm humbled to be here to preach to you tonight on a missions rally, uh, first and foremost. But secondly, I'd like to really thank my dad who, um, you know, he's my stepdad, but he's more than a stepdad. He stepped up to the plate. And um, he, he raised me, um, you know, he gave me uh, some stability and uh, helped me. And so I thank him first and foremost. And not only that, he allowed me to pastor his church to come back here to follow his dream, that is to be a blessing to Pastor Campbell. So I thank him for that. Him and my mom, their years, 20 years plus of laboring in that city. And then just to hand that over to me, um, you know, I'll scratch my head sometimes, amen. But it's a wonderful uh, group of people. Not only that, Chandler tonight, um, that church belongs to you. It's a part of you because you invested and gave a couple, amen, who, uh, you know, uh, (laughs) you, you know us, amen, but you gave a couple an opportunity uh, even though when no one else gives people an opportunity, and you gave them an opportunity, and look what God has done. And because of that, we're indebted to you. Uh, I'd like to thank my wife. She followed me on this endeavor uh, to India. Uh, a great, tremendous blessing to my life. And then last but not least, definitely Pastor Campbell. Uh, to my family, he's more than a pastor. He's almost, besides my dad, he's like a fatherly figure, grandfather figure. We thank him. He's been there through everything that our family's been through. And so we're indebted to him, and we thank God for that. Um, and so uh, we're going to believe God and trust God. Amen. Now that that's out of the way, I just want to believe God and help ask God to help us. First Samuel chapter 25, amen, in the word of God tonight. You know, Kobe Bryant recently died. It's very tragic news. And they begin to find out why Kobe Bryant died. You know, there's a term that pilots have when they're flying, whether a helicopter or a plane. And that is called spatial disorientation. And what spatial disorientation is, is where a pilot gets into foggy conditions or rainy conditions or to any kind of conditions where he can no longer use his sight to see where he's going. He is taught and he is trained then there to use the instruments that are before him to help him to navigate because they said what happens like in Kobe Bryant's place What happens is when you're in these deep fogs and you're in these conditions of rain and all these different types of um, uh, climate uh, activities outside and you're trying to navigate, there's one thing that when you're flying in the air, you can very easily lose your sense of direction. And so when you're in the clouds, if you're looking to navigate, amen, through the clouds by simply by your sight, 
what happens is, is that will flip your senses upside down. And what you think is down is actually up. And what you think is up is actually down. And this is exactly what happened to Kobe Bryant's helicopter. Because the sad part about all this, as they begin to investigate this, that Kobe Bryant's pilot was just 100 feet away from getting out of those clouds. 100 feet is just from the back of this wall, maybe to the back of that wall. So if you think with me for a moment, here he is. Uh, they say this, they now know this pilot got disoriented. He violated some rules. He wasn't supposed to be flying up because of the cloudy conditions. And so what happens is, is he loses his sense of direction. That's why you, if you see the video, the helicopter comes slamming down. Because in reality, he probably thought that he was going up, but in reality, he was going down. And he slammed that helicopter right into the side of that mountain. And in our scripture we're going to read tonight, this is exactly, amen, what happens to God's people. What I want to direct tonight is that the reason why they tell you to use your instruments as a pilot, because what happens is you, when you sense this danger or when you lose your sense of direction, you have a, a bad human nature tendency to navigate through your emotions, so this is exactly what that pilot did. The human instinct took over. And when it took over, it caused him, amen, to not look, amen, to the direction of the, of the instruments, but to look outside. And that instinct is what caused him to make that decision. And there are many good people here tonight, no doubt. There are many men, men here tonight. There are many couples here tonight. Thank God for you. But I wonder tonight, in a crowd this size, how many people are not, amen, really where they need to be because of a mis uh, emotional disorientation. That something has happened to you, or may some, maybe something in ministry has happened, or maybe something's happened to you in your life. And, uh, you know, you, you, you may feel, well, I'm going one way, Pastor, but in reality, that's not the way God has you going today. That's not the way you need to go. But you're basing your decisions off what you see to the natural and the reason why I want to preach this, because here is David. I want you to think with me for a moment. Here is David. He is called to be king. He is a man of God at this stage. You can say he's a disciple per se. And the Bible says that you know he's out in the wilderness. And Saul is hunting him down, wanting to kill him. And you know the story. The backdrop is he's watching these sheep or watching over sheep for Nabal, who he doesn't have to do that but out of the goodness of his heart, he's doing that. So he's serving another man. And the Bible says, uh, you know, uh, supplies are running out. Things are getting low. A feast day is coming. Um, and he wants to know, uh, you know, I've been helping Nabal, but I want, I want to know if he can help me. And so he asked his men to go ask Nabal, hey, can you release some resources to me, some food to me? Uh, that would be a blessing to me. We've been a blessing to you. And the Bible says um, that he goes off of women. They come back. You know the story. Nabal defiles David. Nabal defiles his men. Um, and the Bible says as, as soon as he hears that, the switch or the human instinct flips in David. And I want to say something, folks. He was this close to losing his destiny with God over emotional reaction. Abigail had to go in. And, I, you know, I wonder how many tonight God is wanting to use your life, but a circumstance or a situation in life has caused an emotional reaction 
to stop you from pursuing or being where God wants you to preach. I want to preach a sermon I've entitled The Emotional Disorientation out of the first book, uh, first book of Samuel, chapter 25. Now, I will admit before I move on, I am nervous. It's probably because Pastor Campbell's sitting in the front row, but who wouldn't make that nervous? Amen. But God's going to help us this morning. The Bible says, Now David had said, Surely in vain I have guarded all that this man has in wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that belonged to him, and he has returned me evil for good. May God do so to the enemies of David, and more also if by morning I leave as much as one male of any who belong to Nabal. Father, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for what you've done in this mission rally all week. Let it be to your glory tonight. I'm asking God for revelation and understanding. I'm asking bring clarity to those who are emotionally bound tonight. I pray, God, let there be a sense of destiny reasserging in their heart tonight. I pray let them understand what the Spirit has to say in Jesus' name. And God's people said, let me talk about emotional instincts very quickly. The word emotional instincts means to act or to, uh, to naturally act in a state of mind deriving from one's circumstances, mood, or relationship with others. In other words, you know, you understand tonight what emotions are. I found out recently a very powerful thought, and that is behind every thought, there's an emotion attached to that. I've been reading this book called uh, Switch on Your Brain by Dr. Caroline Leaf, and she makes this observation that behind every human thought is an emotion attached to that thought. So therefore, it brings you to the understanding of why Jesus says you shall not lust after a woman because you've committed this sin in your heart. Because when you think a thought like that, there's an emotion that's attached to that. And so we know that emotions, we all have them, right? Someone says, I love you, I care for you, I appreciate you, I affirm you. That produces a good emotion. That produces a good sense in you. There's the negative. I hate you. You're no good or whatever it may be. And we have the emotion of anger and rejection and hopelessness. And so the point that I'm trying to make tonight is that emotion is the part of a person's character that consists of their feelings as opposed to their thoughts. In other words, we all have them tonight. And the greatest thing that you can learn as a man or a woman of God on how to navigate through your emotions. If you're not careful, we make decisions based on how we feel. We come to the conclusions in our mind. Amen. The word of God may say something contrary, but we go against what God says to fulfill that emotion that is attached to that thought. And people who go upon their emotions, listen to what happens. When you base your life upon emotions, most oftentimes not, you begin to produce a bad instinct in your life. This is David's problem, right? The word instinct means the way people naturally react or behave. Listen to what David says in verse 21. Now David had said, surely in vain, I have protected all that this fellow has in the wilderness so that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him. And he has repaid me evil for good. May God do so and more also to the enemies of David if I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. So let's look at David's emotional instinct tonight because here the word of God is showing us how he's going to react or can I say behave, amen, towards Nabal. We know that David's a man of God. 
There's no doubt Christian men in here. There's disciples in here tonight. Listen to me, disciples. Like David, amen, the biggest killer to destinies is making decisions off of your emotions. He makes this emotional decision. I'm going to kill Nabal. Think with me for a moment. I'm going to kill Nabal over some food. Now, we all feel like that after like a third day of the fast, right? Shoo. You run and get a bucket of chicken quick and let no one get in the way. Let no one get in the way. I never have Pastor Steve gone is uh, years ago we were in Glendale uh, together. And, uh, and so what happened was uh, we were in an old building on 59th in Missouri. It's the last day of the fast. And so, you know, the, fa- the, last, the Wednesday night of the fast when that ends, that's, the, that, you know, that's when everyone really clears the building. It's like a stampede, right? Even the cleanup crew, amen. It's like, I don't even know if they do cleanup crew on, the, on Wednesday night of the fast. But I'm driving the van. I'm the van driver. And, and, and Pastor Connie, he's not a pastor at the time. He's a disciple. But him and his family don't have a car. So I'm the van driver. I take him and some other people home. And I'll never forget, we're in the van. And so I'm waiting for him. But he's not coming. And I'm thinking, what is taking him so long? And so I finally get upset. You know, it's the third day of the fast. Everyone is already broken, sipping on their coffee. And I'm still waiting in the parking lot. And so I go inside. I said, Steve, what's going on? Well, we had this new convert lady who decided to breastfeed her baby when the doors are about to close. And the reason why I tell you that story is because I want to tell you the emotion of food can be overcoming. Amen. (laughs) We both snapped over this poor mother who's just trying to feed her baby before she goes home. And we're like, sister, do you know this is the third? Because you haven't fasted. We fasted. (laughs) And so you're extending our fast, not by choice. (laughs) Needless to say, she didn't make it, and I wonder why. She's just trying to feed her baby. All she has is two dudes out there looking at her with gnashing teeth. Amen. But in all seriousness tonight, let me ask you, disciple, let me ask you, man of God, let me ask you, couple, what's your emotional instinct tonight? How do you act or how do you behave? When things don't go your way. Because in our scripture we see that emotional people make decisions at the moment based on feelings. David said, I feel this is right. You know what I realized tonight? Because oftentimes we associate disciples or we associate people who are spiritual by what they do. They pray, they fast, they come to church faithfully, they're in outreach. But the word of God says that God sees a Christian by the way they respond to certain things in their life. This is the true test of spirituality. See, we get the false sense of spirituality that if I do these spiritual things, I'm a spiritual person. But in reality, God says, I do not gauge your spirituality that way. You know how God, would I realize how God, a man, can measure your spirituality? Is he'll offend you or allow someone to offend you. This is what's happening in our scripture. Isn't that right? He got offended. He got offended. You know, offense stirs emotions like nothing else. Actually, I believe that offense reveals your true mental status. Offense reveals your true spirituality. So here's David. He's fought all these battles. He's won many battles. But can I say tonight that the greatest battle that you must conquer is yourself? It's one thing defeating the enemy. What about when the enemy's within? Your decision 
during an emotional situation reveals what kind of mind you have. Listen to what Paul says, Romans 8, 6, very powerful scripture. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So you see, that's what's happening. David knows that it's wrong to kill Nabal over food. He knows, but yet his carnal mind defies the law of God. Emotional people, their real struggle is not with people, it's with God. They go against what God says. Oftentimes what I've seen in emotional people is that there's really no peace of God in their mind. You know why? Because there's an example in Matthew 5, 4, 4 where Jesus says, love your enemies. But yet there's some of you this evening, you have enemies in this place, but you won't love them. It was Peter in Matthew 18, 21, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? And he's looking for a low response. And the Bible says 70 times 7. Jesus said, that's not, you know, 70 times 7 is what I expect from you, Peter. What about Stephen in the book of Acts chapter 7, verse 59 through 60? We see the contrary here. Here's a man getting stoned to death, killed, martyred in the word of God, the Bible says. And what was his emotional reaction to the Jews, these are his own people. What was his emotional reaction to people who had stoned him and said, you know what? You don't worth it. What does he say? He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Don't hold this sin against them, God. But yet, emotional people can hold sins against each other for a very long time. Oftentimes, I hear people pray for unity but won't talk with people they have issues with. Husbands and wives won't. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, It's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Forgive each other. You know, the danger of a pilot in spatial disorientation is, like I said earlier, the loss of the sense of direction. People who are trapped with emotion can't see where their decision is going to take them. Like David, you make decisions based on here and now. I was reading a very powerful book. I encourage you to read it. It's called The Rape of Nanking. 
Paul Alvarez probably can relate to this since coming from China. The rape of Nanking is called the Asian Holocaust. It's where 300,000 men, women, and children, but mostly women and children, were brutalized by the Japanese in just a six-week period. 300,000 people they slaughtered. They were murdered. The women were raped beyond and on and on and on. It's a horrible, horrible detail. And yet even to this day, the Japanese government has denied that that has ever existed. They made excuses. And so this author, her name is Iris Chang of Chinese descent. She was brought up in America. She's born in America. But her parents of Chinese descent, they, they escaped that back in the late 40s. And so they would tell her and teach Iris Chang all that had happened at the rape of Nanking. They had relatives that were there. And so Iris Chang in 1997 began to do this investigative report and she began to put this stuff together. She was so overwhelmed by the atrocities and things that she had never heard and things that were never spoken of that she had begun to write this book and she called it The Rape of Nanking. Well, the problem was is that as she began to write this book and it came out, it became a number one seller. But what it did is it opened the eyes to the entire world of how really the bad the Japanese government and people were to other people. And so what happened is that the Japanese ambassador began to push back against her, the Japanese government, on and on and on. To the point where this young woman, she's a beautiful young woman, has a husband, has a son. That she begins to live her life after this book is written. And because of this book, she becomes famous. But the problem is she gets disoriented with emotions. In other words, uh, she begins to feel that, you know, the CIA is watching me. Uh, she feels because I've upset the Japanese government so much that they're going to assassinate me on and on and on. One time she even writes her mother and she tells her mother, Mother, I think people are watching me. Uh, and, and she goes into this disorientation mode of this letter. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, what happened is that, you know, because this young girl ends up committing suicide because she's so disoriented. She goes on to shoot herself in the head. And her mother investigates this, has the police investigate this. And, and so they interview this receptionist saying, hey, uh, are, are you watching what's going on? No, no, no. I, I know that author. Her name is Iris Chang. And I was just happy to see her. And so I told my friend, hey, look at Iris Chang. But in her mind, she thought something different. Because she was so emotionally disoriented. Because I want to tell you tonight, church, if you're not careful, you become disoriented even more when you allow these emotions to trap you. This is exactly what happens to her. She becomes trapped in these emotions and she takes her own life because she feels, I can't escape from this. They take her to therapist upon therapist, drug upon drug. And this all started with the writing of this book. See, if we're not careful, emotions want you to make the decisions of your destiny on what you feel now. Not God's word. You see, that's when feelings become bad. When feelings now dictate where you're going to go for God. David wanted to kill Nabal because of feeling of offense. He didn't want to kill Nabal to protect himself. This is why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Because the Apostle Paul knows there's going to be times in your life, if you're not careful, you'll react to what you see in the natural. Listen to 1 Samuel 25, 8. Ask your young men and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. 
Please give whatever comes to your hand to your servants and to your son David. You see tonight, emotional people make that decision, that deadly emotional decision on today. David said, I have no food today. And listening to what Nabal is telling him and seeing what he, where he's at stirs this emotion. This is where many people get in trouble. Because what's being di- told to you and dictated to you, you think that's the reality forever. Can I say something in here, disciple, man of God? If you're someone who's easily offended, can I say something? You need to get some thick skin. Let me throw that out there. If you're going to be a man of God, if you're going to be a disciple, if you're going to stand, listen, if you're going to process this Christian life well, you better learn to handle getting offended. It's amazing to me that David is being hunted by Saul. Saul is trying to kill him. Saul is throwing, I mean, come on, Saul is throwing javelins at him. Saul's accusing him. Hey, you're trying to take my kingdom. He destroyed even David's parents' home. He does all these things. The Bible says, David said, I feel like I'm being hunted like a dog. But not one time is he ever offended against Saul. But the moment Nabal says, I'm not giving you no food, his whole world comes crashing down. You know, there are many people here tonight, you've had emotional breakdowns. And I'm not taking light of, you know, what you go through. But if you don't learn to process people, my dad and Pastor Campbell's really helped me this. You realize you're not going to get very far. There's some of you, that's why you've stopped in your tracks because someone's hurt you. A pastor said something to you. Maybe another brother or something. And so therefore, based upon what you were going through and what was said at that moment, has stopped you dead in your tracks from going where God wants you to go. I take Ecclesiastes 7, 21, 22, very to heart. Listen to this. It says, also, do not take to heart everything people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you, for many times also your heart has known that even you have cursed others. What's Solomon saying? I, I believe Solomon probably walked on a few of his servants talking about him. But I love what he says. I didn't emotionally break down because I saw within myself. I've said some things about people. We all have. Can we say amen? There's not a one of us here who have not said something about something we didn't like in someone. So when you're trapped, you constantly make bad decisions. This is the problem with emotions is you make bad decisions time after time after time. And they can destroy your future. This happens to David when he's young. But I want to say what I've learned about emotions is that what you defeat in the young doesn't give you the victory when you're old. Because the Bible says he he failed to defeat this once again when it came to his own son, Absalom, and all those dynamics. And you know the story. Emotional decisions can destroy your future. Let me move on and talk about emotional decisions can cause spiritual disorientation. This word disorientation means the condition of having lost one's sense of direction. That this is exactly what happens to David. He is so emotional, he loses his sense of direction for his life. We see that now he no longer sees as himself as a future king. 
This has happened to many men in the word of God. You know the story of Moses. The Bible says he is commanded to speak to the rock. Uh, but emotional reaction. He hits the rock. Uh, and by, by the eyes of God he is disqualified. Uh, amen. He is no longer to go into the direction of the promised land. Uh, and so we see that emotional breakdown is very important to the eyes of God. You lose direction when you make emotional statements. I want a divorce. Oh, you'll never change. Oh, she'll never change, Pastor. So those words cause things to become cloudy. You look at your future and you can no longer see it because it's cloudy now. You know, there's many people today that are focused on the hurt that's been done yesterday or even the past. Truth is, there's some of you tonight, you're still in the wilderness. You don't have any idea where you're going spiritually. I like to ask men, where do you see yourself five years from now? Just to get a sense of where the direction is. Because that answer can often tell you what they see themselves doing. What about the children of Israel? God's testing them. You know the test of the children of Israel is God saying, I want my people to see things the way I do. And the Bible says that even this is revealed in the children of Israel. They're carnally minded. And you know the story. The Bible says Moses sends out the 12 spies. And here they come back with a good report, but... They lay all the negatives down, and 10 of them get emotionally wrapped up in what they saw, except for Joshua and Caleb. Twelve men see the same exact things. Two are holding a pole of grapes the size of oranges, I believe. They all see the same thing, but they don't see the same thing. Ten of them, their emotions, the fear, the doubt, small-mindedness, this is carnality at its fullest because they did not see the way God saw. You know, there are people here tonight. God wants to help you. You know what's sad about the Kobe Bryant story? I mentioned it earlier. This pilot was 100 feet away from getting out of those clouds. I mean, just from, think about that. From this back wall... That's all that pilot needed to travel, and Kobe Bryant would still be alive today. That's all he needed. Oftentimes, the clarity of your life is not a long shot. It's just a simple step. I want to close talking about navigating by God's instruments. I begin to read into this spatial disorientation. It's very powerful when you read it. And so what happens is they really teach pilots to break away from the natural reaction or the emotional response of the natural man. In other words, they tell these pilots, listen, if you're going to fly through foggy, uh, you know, uh, uh, things, if you're going to go through rain, if you're going to go through snow, do not, and they mean do not, go by what you see. You have to learn to look at these instruments. you got to trust uh, that the gauges that are in front of you are telling you what you need to know. They're telling you what direction you're going. They said, amen, if this uh, pilot, Kobe Bryant's pilot, would have looked at his instruments, he would have seen that I'm going down. But he did not even glaze up to look, letting this disorientation take him down. Because instruments are designed to see for you when you can't see. Instruments are there to navigate you when you can't navigate. 
Instruments are there to intercede for you so you can see things differently rather than you make a decision by what you see right now, which oftentimes is cloudy. Which leads me to Abigail. And I know Abigail's not a pastor, but she, to me, plays a pastoral role here, and I'd be very careful how I say that. Don't need a whole bunch of women ministering to men. But what you see here, because I don't even, I don't even think David's men could talk to him at this time. Because he's so, I mean, he's so messed up emotionally, right? He's looking for blood, man. I mean, he's going to take it out on men that don't even deserve. He says, I'm going to kill all of Nabal's men. Why all of Nabal's men? There's only Nabal who said that he wanted to feed you. I'm pretty sure if he would have asked some of them, they probably would have gladly gave him something, amen. But his emotions are so overreaction. He says, not only will Nabal die, but every male of his house. And the Bible says that here it is, Abigail, she comes. And she's the instrument God uses to help navigate David back to his senses. David, you can't see right now. But let me remind you of what's past the cloudy fog of your emotions. She says, and it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you. And has appointed you ruler over Israel that this will be no grief to you. In other words, this is going to pass on, David. Nor offense of heart to my Lord. Either that you have shed blood without cause or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. She says, David, remember what God has called you to do. You're letting this offense distract you from where God wants you to be. King, you're called. Listen, some of you, you're called to be pastors, but some emotions have stopped you from where God wants you to be. Don't let your emotions, David, dictate your destiny. Don't shed blood without cause. Because remember, in David's mind, he says, I have the right to kill this man. Just like you feel you have the right to rebel in your heart right now. I have the right, pastor, to talk about people. I have the right to gossip that way. You don't know what they've done to me, pastor. They hurt me. And here God intercedes with the instrument of Abigail. Secondly, she tells David, listen, David, and my dad's helped me in this. Keep your eyes on God. I've been there. I've been there, man, where you thought you should have, been, you know, emotional decision. Something transpires, and all of a sudden, man, you're off, you're cloudy, and now you're trying to make these God factor decisions in your life. I want to tell you, God is the last person we look to when we're going through this kind of stuff. I don't even hear God's name on David's lips when he's going through this emotional rant and rave. You don't hear it. And she focuses his eyes on God. You know, the problem with offense, I want to say this very quickly, is offense will cause you to look at your own pain instead of God. Abigail said, David, keep your eyes on the bigger picture. Because people who focus on God won't let emotional people or situations dictate where they end up. This is through rebellion. This is through craziness. This is, can I give a note to wives in here tonight? This is why when your husband's going off on a tangent about how pastors this or pastors that because he got a correction or rebuke, you don't follow into that tangent. Be an Abigail and navigate his butt out of that. Say, hey, listen. Either I'm going to tell him or I drag you in there, but you're not going to be talking or thinking like this. 
Can you say amen? Don't feed into that. Because people who focus on God won't let those emotions dictate where they end up. I want to challenge you tonight to focus on the bigger picture. I mean, God, God's not done with us yet. With God, there's always a bigger picture. There's always God's word for our life. You know, I learned this recently. I was reading on this sermon in. Years ago, they, the ships began to crash into the seashore where they would drift off and they think they're somewhere and they're not. And so what happens is these giant ships would run into the shore, a rocky shore, you know, and lose cargo, kill men. And so they invented the lighthouse. A lighthouse was an instrument that was meant to navigate that sailor who is stirring that boat to come to the place where it's the safest. This is what a lighthouse does. It directs you right up to that point because that's the safest place you can land upon the whole shore. Well, the problem, they begin to realize that, well, a lighthouse doesn't work when there's fog. Hello, somebody. And so they came up with this instrument called the foghorn. I begin to read on this foghorn. You know, foghorns are still used today. And what a foghorn does is when this sailor or this captain cannot see, uh, you know, the lighthouse because of the cloud or whatever it's happening on the ocean, what they do is they send a sound out with this foghorn. And by simply listening to the sound of this foghorn, they can come right to safety where they need to be. And this began to help me think about Elijah. You remember Elijah? He gets scared of Jezebel. The Bible says she chases him off. He's all emotional. He's all crazy in his mind. He wants to die. He wants to commit suicide. He's got all these emotions. He's hiding in a cave. He defeated 800 prophets of Baal and Astra. And here it is. He can conquer 800 men, but one woman puts him on the run. And so he's all crazy. He's disoriented. And the Bible says he's hiding in a cave. Listen, your emotions will take you to a cave. But what got Elijah out of the cave? Oh, it wasn't the fire. It wasn't the breaking of the mountain. But it was a still, small voice. Oh, can I say tonight, God is speaking to people. That still, small voice. Because he wants to navigate you out of some decisions you're going to make that can destroy your life. Oh, if you would just, amen, listen for a moment. You can hear, the, we've been hearing the Holy Spirit all week. And this foghorn can bring you to safety. This is what God wants to do tonight. Because the Bible says in 1 Kings 19, 12, the Lord was not in the fire. But after the fire, a still small voice. Some of you, you're asking God, God, where do I go? Can you listen to him tonight? There's some of you in this place. You're sitting here right now. You are not supposed to be sitting in these seats right now. And I don't mean that negatively. I mean, you're out to be called. You're called. You know you're called. God's got a city for you. He's got a nation. But because of offense or because of setbacks, maybe failures, maybe you've come back for redirection. Can I tell you, if you're being redirected, you're not being disqualified. You're simply being redirected. But how you process that and how you go through that and what happens, I see is people, because of that emotional state of mind, they sit in the chairs for years disoriented in their mind and they're calling for God. I want to believe God to set people free tonight. And I want to believe God to help men, especially young men. Listen to me, young man. 
you're going to have to process what I'm talking to, talking about tonight. There's some of you, I, you know, I've been stirred. I don't, I'm going to turn 40, and I know that's not old for a lot of people, amen. But I think of my dad who pioneered when he was 39, going to be 40. I mean, 40, they make 40 sound old now. Pastor Campbell going to Malaysia in his later 40s, pioneering a word. I'm going to tell you, you're 45, 50, God's not done with you yet. God's not done with you yet. If you listen to what I'm saying, God wants to help. I want you to bow your head tonight in the presence of God. Hope to stir. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.